In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, Dear Saints, today is the last regular Sunday of Lent. Uh, It's titled Judica, and historically this Sunday was referred to as Passion Passion Sunday because on this Sunday we shift our focus and make the passion, that is the suffering of Christ, the chief focus more than we have even before. Next week is Holy Week, and soon we're going to focus on what Jesus did in that final week of his life. So, to prepare you for that week, to prepare you for Good Friday, for Easter, and for the rest of your life as a Christian, I want you to learn well the Old Testament lesson. Because I don't think that there is a more beautiful depiction of the gospel than what you just heard. Before getting into that Old Testament lesson, we have to first consider the text from John chapter 8. In the gospel lesson, Jesus is arguing with the Jews who rejected him. That's when he says, if you abide in my word, you will never uh, taste death. Now, this argument took place about six months before he died. And there's a lot to say from this text, but I want to focus on one sentence, verse 56, where Jesus says this. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Now remember, Abraham had been dead for about 2,000 years already before the gospel lesson took place. So there's been some debate as to what exactly Jesus is talking about when he says, my day. Uh, What is the day that Abraham saw? Luther said that it was when the angel announced the birth of Isaac to Abraham when he was 99 years old. That's what Luther said. Others say that this refers to the last day or the day of judgment, the day when Jesus will return. He was looking forward to that day. Some think it refers to this specific day, the day when Jesus is teaching this word of God to the Jews. Others think that day is uh, meaning the entire life of Christ or something of this nature. I don't think any of that is right. Even Luther, I don't think he's right here. Uh, I'm not going to say that often, so uh, cherish this, right? Uh, There were a lot of days in Jesus' life, and there were a lot of days in Abraham's life. So which day is it? Which day did Abraham see with his eyes, and which day in Jesus' life did uh, Abraham see? What, What did he see in this moment? Now, this is when we turn to Genesis chapter 22, and it is in this text that we find out the exact day that Abraham saw something he never saw before. And on this day, we find out which day in the life of Jesus he is looking at. And this text is about one specific day in Abraham's life, and it is the day that God commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac his only son. God said to him, he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And that is the day Abraham had to cut the wood and lay it on Isaac's back. And that is the day he had to watch his only son struggle and sweat to carry that wood up a mountain, which would be the place where he died. 
And that is the day he had to fasten and bind his only son's body down to a place of sacrifice. And that is the day when Abraham, who loved his son so much, his only son, he had to raise his hand in violence against his only begotten son and end his life. So if if you're hearing this, does this sound familiar? Does this sound like something else? Are you making the connection? The very next thing that happens is this. God stopped Abraham from uh, seeing this through. God stopped him from slaying his son. And when Abraham looked up, he saw a lamb caught in the thorns. And then he took that innocent lamb and he placed it on the altar. And he saw that lamb die instead of his own son. His son who was a sinner who deserved that knife. And that is what Abraham saw that day. He saw the life of his son spared and the life of that innocent lamb slaughtered in his place. Now, this next part is uh, beautiful. A little later, the text says that Abraham named the place the Lord will provide. That is not past tense. He didn't say the Lord did provide or the Lord provided, referring back to what just happened. He says, no, the Lord will provide future tense. On that day, he saw that the Lord will do something far greater than provide a lamb. He saw with his eyes the very gospel that is about to be fulfilled. He saw that God wouldn't just provide the lamb, but that God would be the lamb. That he would offer himself to be the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he saw that God himself would take the place of Isaac and of Abraham and all of his children and take my place and your place on that altar and take the place of the entire world on his cross. This is what Hebrews chapter 9 says. Christ entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, securing an eternal redemption. And that is the day that Abraham saw. In fact, all throughout the Gospels, Jesus talks about his day, his hour. And he's talking about his death. He's talking about when he breathes his last. Remember, in John chapter 12, when Jesus is in anguish, he says this. He says, now is my soul troubled, but what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Again, uh, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, Matthew chapter 26, verse 30 says, And when they, Jesus and the disciples, they finished the Lord's, uh, the Last Supper there. And uh, after they had finished that, they had sung a hymn, and then they went out to the Mount of Olives. Do you know what hymn they sang? Every... Uh, every Passover feast ended with the singing of the Hallel, that's Psalms 113 to Psalm 118. Every single one for, for uh, hundreds and hundreds of years. They didn't just sing a random hymn. They didn't just sing anything they wanted to. They sang the final thing that Jesus sang before he died was Psalm 118. And here are some of the words from Psalm 118. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, 
and it is marvelous in our eyes. And then he says these beautiful words. The day he is betrayed and about to die, he says this. And this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. He is talking about his death. When the Bible talks about the day of the Lord, it is talking about this exact, this precise moment, this very hour in history, the day that he laid down his life and he poured out his precious blood. That is what the entire Bible is leading up to, is pointing to, is drawing out from. This is what everything is about. The fact that God the Father loved the world in this way that he sacrifices and gives his only son for it. Now, this is something we can't fathom. Uh, Abraham, of all people in the world, of, of all the people in heaven, all the angels, of every creature in the world, the only person who comes closest to understanding what this is like is Abraham. Because more than any other person in the world, more than any other father could imagine, more than anyone could comprehend, Abraham, in that split second when he was holding the knife above his only son, Isaac, He knew more than anyone what must have been going on in the heart of God the Father in heaven on the day when he gave up Jesus to the world. We can imagine and pretend how difficult this was. We can just make believe what it must have been like to sacrifice your own son. It's it's unthinkable. But it's not the same because we never had to do it. But Abraham actually knows what it's like to have to consider it, to have the the, the dagger in his hand. He was prepared to do it. And so more than any other creature in the world, Abraham has this amazing insight into the very heart of God, what is going on, the deepest abyss of the fatherly heart. He knows this more than anyone. And yet... He knows only a fraction of what it was really like because he didn't have to go through with it. He didn't destroy his son's life or make him bleed. He didn't cause his son to be lifeless on that wood. He didn't know the true pain and agony of what that would be. But God does. And where Abraham stopped, God took over. The father carried out what Abraham didn't. The father put his only holy, innocent, and precious son to death. And for what? For you and for me. For worms. For poor, miserable sinners. He exchanges his son. For our sake, for our salvation, for our happiness, for our gladness, he did this. Now, it's it's just... Too much to grasp. In fact, when we think of this, <laughs> my thought, my, my mind goes to, well, then the father must not have really loved his son if he loved me more. But that's not it. It's not that he didn't love Jesus. It's that his love for you is simply greater than that. It's more than you can actually think of or imagine. It, we cannot comprehend it. The father literally gives over his only begotten son in exchange for you. In theology, we call this the vicarious satisfaction or the substitutionary atonement 
Uh, Luther has this word that, that is you have a vicar, someone who stands in your place where you should have been on that altar, on that cross. Someone comes and takes your place and dies for you. He takes your place. He's your substitute. Luther has this wonderful uh, phrase. He calls it the great exchange. Says here's this great exchange where uh, the Christ receives all of our uh, sin, all of our guilt, all of our wrath, all of our death. And we, in turn, receive in exchange all of his righteousness, all of his blessedness, all of his innocence, and all of his holiness. And there's this great changing of places that God takes our place and we take his. And it is the most beautiful thing. In fact, it sounds like nonsense that the God who created this universe would love you this much. And yet he does. He loves you more than you can express or comprehend. And all of this that Abraham went through was just a small glimpse or a fraction of what the Father's love is for you. And this means that we will never exhaust this holy gospel, let alone fathom it. There will never come a day when we outgrow this holy and precious truth. The day that Abraham saw in faith was the day that Jesus gave his life for the world. And when Abraham saw this day, remember, he wasn't angry or grieved. He wasn't ashamed or upset. Jesus says, he saw my day and he was glad. He rejoiced. He rejoiced that the Lamb of God would take away his sin and that of the world. And that is Abraham's faith and joy. It is the heart of a sinner rejoicing in his substitutes, rejoicing in the removal of your guilt. And that is what it is is in your heart today. And this alone makes us glad and happy. This alone gives us cheerful hearts in the midst of trouble and sorrow. Don't let anyone ever tell you that the gospel is empty or a useless or a dead word, something that you can move past and something that that there's something more important to focus on. The holy gospel is the only thing that makes broken hearts glad. The only thing that can give you peace in the midst of anything, everything you are going through, financial hardships, uh, any difficulty in your life, in your family, in your marriage, even at the moment of death. It is this truth, this gospel that will save you. And we would gladly give up the entire world and everything in it to simply hear these words again and again and again. Dear saints, do you want to know what the Lord loves about you most? Do you want to know what he sees in your life and praises the most? It's not your faithfulness or your convictions or your love for your neighbor, or your pile of good works, or how much money you've given away, how much time you've volunteered, or how much you have achieved in this life. He does not consider you according to your guilt and sins, and neither does he consider you according to your obedience and good works. Rather, he defines your life according to your faith in him, according to the fact that you look And you see his day in faith and are glad. 
What he loves most about you and praises most is that you dwell upon him, your dear Savior, dying on the cross to forgive your sins. What he loves most is that you love and believe how much he has loved you. And the reason you hear this and rejoice is because you belong to him. You are his. And Zion, this is what you came this day to hear, to dwell upon, to pay attention to, to rejoice in and to be glad at, to see that this is the day that the Lord has made and let us rejoice and be glad in it, that we have seen all he has done to save us. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.